Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. And on today's show, I've got Roderick Green. Rod is a five-time Paralympian, uh, having competed in Sydney in 2000, in Athens 2004, as a coach in Beijing in 2008 and in London 2012, and finally wrapping it up most recently, again competing in Rio 2016. So welcome onto the show, Rod. Thank you for having me, man. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. So, so, so from for the audience, so they know obviously how you and you and I know each other. Obviously, I've competed against Rod uh, many a time be it in tournaments and probably scrimmages as well uh, from back in my days, uh, uh, be it for GB uh, sitting volleyball. So as I alluded to in your introduction, can you go into a little bit more detail of how you got on at those games? Uh, yes. Uh, so I played uh, college basketball at Oklahoma Christian University uh, here in Oklahoma City. And um uh, ESPN at that time ran a, a short story on me and uh, showing that I was playing collegiate basketball uh, on scholarship with a prosthesis. And so when they put the story together, got everything edited and it aired, uh, one of the kids at the time in Dallas, Jake Rip, uh, saw that story and, and, and wanted him himself to come up to Oklahoma City and meet me. So he had his parents bring him up. And when his parents brought him up after the game, we met, we talked a little bit and he told me about the Paralympics because up to that time, I had no idea what they were. And so uh, he was telling me, hey, man, you're quick. You should run track. And I looked at him like, man, you know, punishment in basketball is running. There's no way I'm going to want to do it for fun, you know. And so he's like, no, you'll be good at it. So I told him, I said, hey, if you can make your high school basketball team, then I'll run track one day. And lo and behold, the kid can shoot the crap out of a ball. So I had to hold my end of the deal. So I went out for track. And after one year of training, fell in love with it. So I decided to do both until I graduated from college. And, and during that time period, um, I met this guy named Juan Plaza, and he coached me. And I made the Sydney game in 2000, uh, won three medals there, uh, made the team in 04, made it to the semifinals, uh, tore my hamstring in the semifinals in 04. And then in 2008, 2012, I had a couple of athletes come up to me because they knew that I did specific training for sports. And uh, I trained them, and uh, one guy brought home a gold medal in the 200. Uh, I helped some girls on the USA sitting volleyball team that year. Uh, they got a medal. Um, I helped another guy in the 100 meters uh, for 12 and in uh, 2008. And then Katrin, of course, I helped her um, win her gold medal in the 200 and uh, bronze medal in 2012 in the 200. And so I thought I was going to be done after that. Got a little bit more serious in volleyball. Uh, so four years later, I found myself on the uh, 2016 team in Brazil, representing the USA again, and now I'm still on the team, actually team captain now, and I'm loving it. So that's 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 how it all came to be about now. So talk to us about the mindset to to make it to it's there's no mean feat to make it collegiately in basketball. So we talking D1, D2, uh, D2, uh, uh, Oklahoma Christian is an NCAA Division two. And uh, to make it as an able body is hard enough because especially at that time, you know, being young, you want to do more stuff than go to class. You want to go out. Uh, you want to find a date. You want to do everything. 
But for me, uh, a lot of that stuff, I honestly put on hold willingly because I knew playing college basketball and being an amputee, uh, even though I was a below knee amputee, which is a very much higher level than AK, especially when you're playing basketball, uh, you have more of an advantage. I knew I was behind with people who had two feet who can stop and go a little bit more on a dime than I could. Uh, I wouldn't say jump higher because at that time I could jump out the gym. Uh, but as far as like that footwork and that coordination, I really needed to work on it. So I sacrificed a lot of the, you know, going out to the clubs, uh, drinking alcohol, never drank uh, at that time. And so a lot of those things that normal college athletes would do, I didn't do. I found most of my days in the gym just working on footwork, making sure that uh, I understood my prosthesis and what it could and couldn't do and what my advantages were. And if I did need to do something that was uncomfortable, how should I lead into that to help me get that advantage before I just had to do it, you know, spur of the moment. So the mindset was I had to go into it in college thinking like I was a professional, even though I wasn't at the time. So, but how do you get there in the first place? Because it's, it's, no, it's no mean feat to, to get to Division Two, regardless. Uh, just putting in time, man. Like, some people have it and some don't. Like, LeBron James said the other day when he was asked, do you think we're going to uh, be where the Bucks are? And he says, we're not there now. And we probably won't by the end of the season. And I feel like there's a lot of players on that team that just don't have a killer mindset. And ever since I can remember, I hated to lose. Like, I, wouldn't, I didn't believe in cheating to win, but I hated to lose. So I did everything possible mentally uh, to prepare me physically. Like, it's just in me. It's just something I think that I was born with. And when I was introduced to sports, that, that gift, I call it, came out because I will put in the work and sacrifice certain things just to be a winner. So I, I think that mindset just comes from who I am as a person and what I, uh, what I want as an athlete and what I'm willing to accept. And I don't accept losing. So I need to put in that work. So is there any, any book on the cards then? Cause we're talking about Mamba mentality. Yeah. Um, I've been, I've been jotting down some notes uh, for the past couple of years um, leading in from 99 when I was first, you know, introduced to the Paralympic sports to now. Uh, so I've been going at it over 20 years. And like you said, you know, before we got on uh, the cast that you're getting old. And like I tell people until, in, until they beat me, I'm not old until like you can, uh, people come to me all the time, especially the younger players on the team. Oh, that's an old man move. But did you stop it? Did it score a point? And so, yeah, that's a book. It's, 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 it's gonna, it's gonna entail everything from when I was young and, the mindset and athleticism to now as an older athlete that has a lot more power, but not quite as uh, quick as I once was, but my mind and the way I see the game, it's so slow now that that helps me out more than my athleticism. Well, you got wisdom as well on your side. I'm, 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 I'm no spring chicken um, <laughs> <laughs> myself. So you, you, uh, you see that wisdom in the gray hair right yeah. now. I, I, I know you did. <laughs> so, so I think, I think you guess, I think as you get grace, grow old gracefully, I think you, you, you get a better, as you put it, a greater understanding of the game of your IQ is, is always going to be there, but you just see things a lot easier and a lot quicker than say the, the younger athletes that pretty much running around like chickens. It's like, you have this chicken. It's like, you just, yes, it's good that you've got some enthusiasm. Oh yeah, it needs to be end product, and both of them, oh, are, yeah. both of them, will garner a result. 
Oh, yeah. For example, uh, we had camp last weekend, and um, this kid was like, man, how did you how did you block that? How did you see that coming? I'm like, man, just where the set was, where you were positioned on the court, you had one option. And if you'd have tried the other option, you'd have ripped your shoulder out, which you probably would have scored, but you wouldn't wouldn't have been playing anymore. So it's just like little things like that. Like like you said, as you get older, your wisdom becomes a little bit more heightened. You see things before they happen. And so that's that's why I'm still here. That's why I'm so old and I'm still playing. Well, you've been around, <laughs> you've been around the block enough in terms of, okay, we're now 2022. You and I crossed paths a decade ago so you've oh. seen you've yeah. seen well it's a little bit more than that but i'll be fair but in terms of what you've seen and done you've seen well the brits and the, the americas were pretty much inseparable uh probably the men seem more so than anything but yeah they they we've probably seen how other uh, nations have played um I'm trying to think the last time we competed against each other, probably been probably Cairo. Um, I'm not going to knock it, but in terms of, if you, you yeah. remember the hotel, <laughs> the <best>. yeah. <laughs> what, what, do you mean the dirt floor they tried to put us in at first? And then we had to move to the main hotel. Oh, we didn't get we, we, the, the military one, the military one, uh, and the Brazilians oh. and the Iranians were in the hotel. Yes. Oh gosh. That, yes. That one. Okay. So yeah. So in terms of, and that that's obviously got some stories. But in terms of, we'd seen we're playing against the probably the 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 best. We we were lucky that we were get, almost guaranteed to compete the following year, uh, being yeah. the host, and to be able to compete against probably everybody that was probably fighting for the scraps. Yeah. You've probably seen you see you've seen the best of every comp every every nation and i have man and i know like i know these guys um now i talked to them uh instagram kind of how me and you reconnected and um just to see them from when they were about my age and now this age and it's even like to see them and the way they see the game and how it slowed down for them and now, like you said, the ones that are younger, the countries coming up that are struggling, like we used to be there and now we're beginning to become like one of those better countries. And it's it's a cool thing, man. Um, that shows that the sport is evolving and that uh, you have newer countries coming in. You have some African countries coming in, which I love to see. And so now you're getting, you know, the evolution of the sport, the evolution of the athlete. You're getting paid to do it now. Um, and you get all of that mixed into one the sport is becoming something really really beautiful it's super competitive um the volleyball is cleaner and it's crisper and like i tell standing players if you ever really want to compete won't you come down to the floor with us because it's a lot harder than standing like i play standing sand and i'd rather play standing sand all day than sitting for two hours because it's just so much faster well that's i think and i think our assistant head coach did it uh, Ashley Tron, um, I give him a bit of a shout out on this episode. He he wanted to be able to instead of obviously, well, it's almost like a dictatorship from a coaching perspective at that level. He he wanted to obviously be able to before he preached, do it himself, and then it's like, well, why didn't you try this? 
or yeah. in this circumstance, it was it it probably helped because he was slightly younger than our head coach, but it would be a leveler of their legs is now their disadvantage. And you'd never yeah. probably hear a disabled person say that in terms of they're at a disadvantage because they can't move as quick, the legs are getting in the way, uh, and and so and so on. And I think that's the advantage that the double amputees got. They got nothing to to displace. There's nothing, but they're at the well. I was never at the front of the net internationally, but they're a lot easier to knock over because they haven't got that stability. Yeah. But in terms of its for movability and things like that, obviously the more disabled, quote unquote, more disabled you are, obviously it's an advantage because there's, there's less of uh, uh, inanimate object in the way. So I think it's it's come a long way. It's good to hear that obviously you're, you're being paid. It's, it's probably come a long way. Oh, yeah. what, what do you think as a US Paralympian needs to progress to you to be I'm not going to say maybe on the same heights as Michael Phelps but you know being on par with your uh, Olympians because I've I've always I've always thought that the US team apparently is always under delivered based on you know the population that you've got yeah and I would say just the way our culture is set up um I know for me um, I'm not going to put my, my kids second. And so for me, like having my training and doing the drug rehab that I do for the troubled teenagers and like helping with the nonprofit and doing all that stuff, that's the money that I use to help provide for my family, the house, you know, the, the, the education for my kids and stuff like that. And so I'm not going to give that up. And so for me, what would help me is if we got paid from sponsors on that same level or if we got paid per month on that same level and I didn't have to do like the extra jobs, like they, they pay decent now, but not enough for me to sustain what I want my, my daughter to have as far as growing up and what I want her to be able to do educationally uh, for her future because her future is more important than this sport. And so if they want me to put more time in that sport, you're going to have to pay me like they do to able bodies for me to spend all that time um, outside because I do train a lot outside. But if this was just my sole job and I didn't have to go, that's all day that I could do to have something, whether it's uh, recovery stuff for my body or preventative stuff for my body or just skills. I would be in the gym all day until I had to pick her up from school. And then my whole day would be just volleyball. So by the time that I got to the point where I needed to compete, that's all my body would know. And so that's what Michael Phelps has that we didn't have. Like he spent all his days when he was earlier training um, in the pool or in the weight room or getting treatment or something to make sure his body was taken care of and up to the, the highest level when he got ready to compete. And so I think what's setting it apart is living. A lot of the guys on my team, they're, they're, they have to make a living to take care of their family and they're not willing to do it for essentially free. Do you see that ever coming in your career? That that I don't that, think it'll come in my career. No, nah, I, I don't think so. If it does, uh, will I take it? Yeah, I would be more than happy to accept it because I love being an athlete or I wouldn't be in it this long. I wouldn't have find ways in my work career to still make it happen to be uh, a para-athlete. 
And so, yeah, if, if, if it came along, it'd be great, but I doubt it. Uh, I, I just can't see, um, you know, USOC all of a sudden saying, hey, you know what? We're going to pay 10, 12 grand a month just for you guys to, to train. Um, I, I, I just can't see that. And without it, though, I like I can't afford to just be like, hey, I'm going to do volleyball full time. What What do you think needs to change culturally for that to be to that dynamic to change in the U.S.? Because it's, it's going to be hard when you've got the NBA, the NFL and maybe like the well, lesser sports underneath. It's beginning to change now. Uh, like Hunter, uh, he's a double uh, BK um, sprinter. And I saw him on a Lexus commercial. Uh, I'm beginning to see uh, like Blake Leeper. He was on a commercial that I saw over Christmas. And um, so it, it's little things like that uh, that are beginning to change. And once you start sponsoring uh, these athletes from major uh, corporations and organizations, and putting them out on billboards and on commercials. And then kids start seeing them and kids are like, oh, I could do that. Or I like that guy. He's an inspiration. Hey, mom, I want to buy that shirt because he's sponsored by that company. And then when you start having that happen, that's when it's that overflow of money is going to be there for those uh, athletes. When these companies start taking a chance to show that, hey, even though they're disabled, they're truly athletes. I, I call myself more of an athlete because if you look at the amount of energy spent on a human body that walks, with an amputation or prosthesis compared to those who don't, you're, you're expending more energy on just a regular daily basis. So when you're trying to train and lift weights, doing sprints and stuff like that, you're expending more energy doing that as an amputee or a person with a physical disability of any sort than an able body in the first place. So in my eyes, we're already more of an athlete. And anybody want to dispute it, that's fine. That's dandy. Come train with me one day and let me know how you feel after that, you know, four to six hours is over throughout the day. Well, I, 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 echo what you say rod because ultimately i'll i'll share this because it happened um i shared with uh under armor over linkedin uh 18 months ago because they brought out their their new advertising campaign um i can't remember what the tagline was it but pretty much like like getting through the thick of it instead of like smoke it's like i'm not telling you how to do your job but if you put a disabled athlete in that commercial, people can relate a lot quicker because ultimately they're going to see uh, a far greater story that they can relate to than any Olympian or any professional athlete, be it American football, basketball, because their struggle and adversity is far more relatable to obviously the ordinary person in the street. It probably fell on deaf ears, but I think there's a few people they started picking up. So I guess they must have taken my idea to some extent. And the truth hurts. That's good. <laughs> and run, and run, I, no, but I, I was probably sick in terms of seeing, well, you, you've got your. Oh, gosh, it's, it's showing my age of uh, the original Under Armour advert, uh, advertisement campaign with the, the American football one. Um, oh yeah! Oh, I can't think of the thing. But, you know, I'm banging uh, on this. Uh, Ray Lewis, I think it was Ray Lewis, and things like that. Whereas, if you okay, it's a site. It's a it's a hype reel, really, because uh, I use that in my athletic career of uh, downloading it off YouTube and putting it on my iPod uh, and things or things of that nature. And I've even used it in business, and people go, 
I can see why you can get yourself really motivated quite quickly. So yeah, because that's a that's a it's a it's a psych, it's a, it's pretty much a hype emotion of you know protect this. Oh uh, God, I remember it now. Protect this house doesn't matter what yeah, sport you do, you're gonna we do must, it. We must protect this house. Yeah. And that's the original Under Armour to, to now. Obviously, the company. I think it still deems itself to be the under underdog to Nike. I don't see why when they're probably, yeah, they're probably on equal footing, but if it gets to do that, I bet every single day, hey, it's, if it's going to motivate you that, that way. But as I think from a, a disabled point of view, Under Armour, I'm being the uh, underdog and using a Steph Curry when he was coming up, why don't you go over to this part of the population and they're all underdogs. So yeah. if they've run with that, Hey, I, I won't take sole credit for it because there's probably, you've probably thought about it. A number of athletes down the years are probably going, well, you, you'd make a, well, you know, I don't know when you said it, but like I said, I think over Christmas, I saw a person with a, a physical disability in an Under Armour commercial. I was like, that's new. You know, like, so I don't know when this was that you brought this to their attention, but even if it's a different perspective, it's, it's, it's going, well, I'm giving you something maybe outside of the box in terms of maybe what your marketing team is looking at, what your numbers are saying. Oh, yeah. I'm just telling you what it what it what it is of I don't know how many times a day that you hear or I'll hear it in terms of Rod, your motivation, James, your inspiration. It's like hey, it's it's nice. Oh yeah. But can you not get that for yourself? Okay, that is a a belief and a, and to a certain sense confidence and maybe flowing towards arrogance that athletes have because they in an environment that is I'm going to use toxic in a positive way for the first time ever but in terms of the environment <laughs> it's, it's very very much conducive of confidence it's like well you and I might be on two different continents the objective is still the same to, to get to the Paralympics okay. that is our Super Bowl thus I think when people try and ask me, well, what, what was the driver? But I can't answer that question. I don't know if you can in terms of, well, that's, that's the best. Those are where the best people are at are disabled. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I want to, I want to do it. Okay. If you're not sporty, that could be something else. Uh, but if you're sporty, that's like the Holy grail. It's like, I don't know how I'm going to get there. The medalist is probably something a little bit higher than that, but I'm going to do whatever it takes to 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 do that. But that and there's an element of arrogance that's going to probably come across as well. It's not been really? done, so what? I think there's nothing wrong with arrogance, though. Um, like um, before Kobe passed, I used to watch a lot of his his videos and, and, and arrogance is some athletes need, they need it. If, if you're an athlete and you don't have arrogance, then you need to stop playing because my goal isn't to please everyone. I, I, there are going to be people who do not like me. I'm okay with that. 
I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion of who they like, who they want to follow, but I am going to do what I need to do to be number one. And honestly, you, you asked me like, you know, why go to the Paralympics? Like, you don't know what, like what motivated my motivation. Like I told you before we um, started the, the podcast is I don't like to lose. And if I don't like to lose, I'm in a sport. So my motivation is go to that Super Bowl, like you put it. Go against the best athletes that have the same disability or similar disabilities than I do. And that arrogance kicks into play. Show them that I'm not going to lose him. That's why I'm there. And that that's what motivates me. My arrogance is what motivates me to be the best in a good way. It's not like I'm out doing something bad. I'm actually motivating myself to show the world, going back to the sponsorships, to show everyone in the world, no matter what a disability is, whether you're able-bodied or not, everybody has a disability. It's just some people won't admit what their disability is because they're so ashamed. And what I am doing essentially is laying it all out on the line. My, my disability is very visible, and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with people like whispering. I'm okay with people wondering. But there's one thing that I know is I'm out here to be the best and show you that if I can do it, you can do it. Do you think that's, basketball, that's why I'm motivated. Do you think basketball instilled that to to some extent of, okay, if we use modern day social media, pretty much they hyping, yeah. they're hooping and hollering every time they get a dunk. It's like, that's not the game's not over but in terms of do you think that's where the confidence comes from to if you execute a play you could showboat a little bit which would be deemed as arrogance honestly you t- are, are you talking about me or just overall uh, in general the sport itself or I'll, let you go bo- I'll let you go both directions because I think I'm going to get two different answers okay uh, for myself Honestly, it's my, my dad, my mom and dad. Like, when I was little, uh, especially my dad, my dad, he didn't want me to be, especially over here in America, like that guy with one leg on the side of the street begging and asking for money. He used to always tell me that when I was a little kid. And my father always told me, like, if you're going to do something, do it right. Like, don't, he would say, don't half-ass it. And I don't know if I can say that on this, but that, that was his thing to me. And as a kid, I'm like, you know, as a kid, like, oh, your dad's mean, your dad's mean. But then as you start to get older, you're like, my dad, my dad had my back. My dad wanted me to be the best. So ever since I was a young kid, my dad instilled in me like that. Don't quit. Don't feel pity for yourself. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Now, from a sporting standpoint, I think stuff like that, I think stuff like that um, happens because it goes back to that sponsorship. A lot of time amputees are like, we, we do get sponsors, but you're scraping for it. And so you need to be good, but you also need to be noticed. And so the same thing for basketball. They just get paid more for it. Like if Steph Curry has 60 points and he's quiet, then he has 60 points and he does like his little shimmy or his little dance, then guess what? Little kids start doing that. Little kids start doing the same celebration that he does. Oh, mom, I want to buy the Steph Curry shoe. Like, you know, when he hits his three, he does a little shimmy. But the fact of the matter is I know that. So you, you know how many young kids know that same three-point shimmy? that he has every time he hits a three. That's, I think that's why athletes showboat because it helps them with their money, their sponsorship, because they're being seen. But you and I come from a generation before that, though, in terms of it's probably very, very, I won't say it's easy. It's, 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 it's not easy to, to, to be able to market a platform to be noticed but in terms of we obviously did it on 
I won't say on the quiet, but be it you probably a little bit more extroverted than I am or what I was when I was in that environment. I was a little bit. Okay. A lot. <laughs> a lot. I was, I'm, I'm more, probably more outspoken now than I was back then. I was more of the toe the line athlete and yeah. stay under the radar and at my detriment sometimes to be the yes person um, i would say people do not do that nowadays in terms of you can't you can't be i didn't go as far as kiss ass i i i i, I stuck to my guns i wouldn't go that far because I, I i didn't want to do that but in terms of where i'm going with this in terms of we did the hard work regardless of the notoriety of we did the the work behind the scenes of when nobody's watching whereas i think i'm not gonna say they're all entitled but maybe this generation thinks they're gonna everything videotape gonna be handed on a plate <laughs> it's like well in this country every basketball clip you see is a dunk it's like well can that person shoot can they play defense and things like that? It's like, yeah, it's all well and good that it's, yeah, it's entertaining. But if you watch dunk after dunk after a while, it's going to become boring. And yeah. you need to be good at every aspect of a sport. And if you're not willing to do the hard work, and I think I never saw myself coming into the coaching space, and I would admit that probably 10 years ago, no chance if people would have asked me that as an athlete you'll be a co it, okay i'm not doing it at elite level but you, james you'll be in a coaching space in 10 years time i'd probably go yeah what whatever I, i'm gonna go to a different <laughs> direction um but it's i think we're dealing with the ordinary person on the street you can kind of be well and i spoke to some, uh, one person one of my clients today and he's like, well, I'm leaving you, James. I'm I'm a bit worried that I'll go back to my old ways. It's like, hey, you can email me, you can message me on that that that's that contact doesn't go away. It's just you yeah. have less of it. It's if you have a question to ask of me, and this is to anybody, even if it was for the podcast audience or to Rod, all you gotta do is get in touch and look at the show notes and send a send a message to us via social media to be able to the the i think the, the luxury of the modern age people are in and people can't see my fingers but they're in touching distance it's so easy to be able to obviously we can lambast social media and say so instagram is bad twitter is bad but that's looking at the bad side of it where 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 i see where it's a positive is if you have a question and you've got that easy accessibility to that professional athlete, what's the worst that can happen by you asking a question? They might not respond. They might take a couple months. It could be their, their media relations team that does it on the athletes, but eventually it will get to that person. So it's, it's a lot easier to, to get your questions answered now and to be to kind of see how that person actually ticks. And, well, how do I get to the level of what rod gets to let me ask him you're you're quite shy really 
you you put on it. You, 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 you no, but you are because obviously you don't like things like this. But and people yeah. would be surprised of that of to be on the one hand very extroverted, quite we weren't always loud, and that's, that's my that's my take from it. But people probably wouldn't think of the opposite of you being quite reserved and not one to be front and center in front and the in front of the, now you're gonna have to do it as captain you've got no choice it would be yeah well you've gotta you've gotta step up because you're talking for uh 10 12 other guys um yeah. but people probably would be surprised that you're quite reserved in in that fashion of well i think hearing you speak it probably comes from mom and dad of your your actions speak louder than your words it's i'm gonna show yeah. what i can do not not talk my mouth off yeah, I would agree with that. And like I said, um, personal life is different than sports. Like, I'm always loud in sports. But when it's my personal life, I'm usually just, if I'm not working out, I'm with my kids, chilling, taking them somewhere, um, watching movies with them or something like that. I, you're right. I don't want to be in the center uh, when it comes to stuff like that. And um, I guess to go back to one of the things you said, I, I think my mom and dad, too, and the difference in mom and dad's that grew up in like the 50s, 60s uh, compared to now, they made their kids work. And I think that's why kids nowadays feel like, because I remember you touched on, they feel like everything should be handed to them. And they don't have that killer mindset. They don't have that mamba mindset. They don't want to go out and put in the work. They think, oh, I just go to the gym two hours a day and I just shoot around. That's all it takes. They don't understand that you need to do, like you said, you need to be all around. You need to work on dribbling and passing. You need to work on studying the actual game, like looking at it and seeing like the, the, the play develop and where you need to be to be better on defense. Even if the other person makes a shot, you know where you needed to be. That person just made a good shot. And I think a lot of times uh, parenting is why kids or young adults feel like people owe them something. And in reality, I hate to say this, no one owes you anything. That's why I find like cancel culture so funny to me because you're going to cancel a person because of what they've done or what they believe, but yet and still you cancel them because they don't believe in what you believe. And so I, I feel like a lot of times if we just took our kids under our wing and spent time with them and, and raised them, that will, it, it affects everything. It affects what kind of teacher they become it affects what kind of doctor they become it affects what kind of athlete they become so a lot of the times that us as older people we're looking at the younger generation and saying well they want handouts well it is still kind of our fault because we're their parents and like like i said if, if we want to stop this culture or uh stop it from happening to future cultures be better parents if you're an athlete don't just send your kid out there and be like that well, my, that's my son my son's the best no make your child work Show your child that with hard work, you receive stuff. Like with my daughter, she wanted she wanted money. And I said, well, if you want money, we're going to have to work for it. And so she came up to me a couple of days later. She was like, hey, I got this allowance money that you gave me. I want to buy chickens. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, I want to buy some chickens. So I was like, okay, it's your money. And so I called a lady that I knew, and I knew she would be honest. And so she, she told us everything we knew about chickens. And so on the way down there, I finally asked, like, why do you want these chickens? She was like, well, if I want money, I get these chickens to lay eggs. I go get these eggs and I start selling them for $4 for per dozen. 
you know, at the time she was like six years old. Now she's eight. People are calling us. Hey, y'all got any eggs? You have these eggs. Like people come message you on Instagram. Your daughter got any eggs? That it, like she's out there and she's working. Her, like I've taught her that if you want something and, and so is her mom. Don't let me leave her out. If you want something, you have to work for it. We don't just have to give you anything. I don't care if you're six or seven. Like you're going to have to do a chore or something. So instead of doing chores, she made her own business at six. And now two years later, it's still running. And so that's, and, and like I said, it's parenting. So if we want to see this culture, even as athletes, we want to see the mindset change. We have to start either parenting your kids or taking the younger athletes and start trying to be better role models and, 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 and actually allowing them to come into our life and see how we operate and see how we do things so that they can try to pick up on that and understand that this is why this guy's been here so long. This is why he's been in sports over 20 years and still competing because Yes, I come to practice every day and I do all the stuff I need to as a dad. But if I if I miss something, I'm up to 11, 12 o'clock at night putting in that work in the gym at my house and doing stretching and lifting and stuff that I need to to make sure that my body can hold up through the rigors of the sport. And that's the only way we're going to change is that we bring in that young generation and teach them and help them. Uh, some of them with what their parents didn't do and help them get that mindset to be better athletes. I think you can even relate that to 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 outside of sport. Of I think people ask me in terms of they're always looking for the the easy out to some extent. Of I I asked a poll before Christmas of what content more people wanted to see more of. The podcast doesn't count, but and it was to do around mindset. As like, oh, we want to do more, learn about more about motivation. Okay. It's a bit blase answer, in my opinion, because it's quite, it's, it's broad, it's too broad a term. So I ask individually every single person that put that, what does that look like for you? Because my definition of it is going to be different. Yours is going to be different to theirs. So instead of being judgmental and saying, oh, that's a bit shit answer, it is and it isn't. But if you're lacking in that ability, coming back to belief and confidence, that motivation is the problem to do with your goal, which ultimately is probably not. It's probably a lot more other things. Let me ask you specifically what it is that you think that's missing. And I've gone away and done content based on that. As you're telling me what I need to create, I'll do it. So one was obviously get rid of the inner critic you and i have I've probably had that dialogue yours is 20 years mine's 10 we dismiss it very quickly because it's like okay i've got this negative doubt is it going to help me probably not bye-bye carry on <laughs> yeah. whereas maybe for the old and the other person of of the parenting that you're talking about in their childhood, if they've not had a nurturing environment to be able to challenge things like that, that's their normal. So for me to kind of say, oh, you lack motivation, thus what you're lacking is focus, drive, determination, self-confidence. It, it could be down to, well, as you put it, bad parenting, 
your environment is not positive, thus you don't know anything of the other, thus that's normal for you to maybe talk down to yourself to have negative thoughts and have self-doubt because, okay, I've always been talked down to or I've had, and this is actually for me, it's true, teachers say you were amount to nothing. If you, oh, don't challenge, well. if you don't challenge that to a certain point, you're going to start believing it. And I think my whole coaching approach to the to now to the beginning of people will put me on a pedestal of oh james the athlete i can't relate to james and these were disabled people so thinking okay oh, wow. what what do i need to do to close the gap because i don't think i'm better than you yeah i think we're we're just just as equal of okay i might have better um, traits and characteristics but those are all learned behaviors so what do i need to do i need to be, become more vulnerable and, and showcase the raw uh person that sport didn't allow me to to showcase because okay that's my perception of sport of you gotta put on a suit of armor to turn up thus if we go head to head you can't take advantage of me or vice versa and i had to kind of take that armor off gradually to kind of go it's okay to be showcase my flaws and people could relate to that as like, oh james is a, is a human being <laughs> uh he's he's normal he's just very good at what he did and bit, yeah. little by little people could could kind of relate okay i can relate to aspect of i didn't expect you to say that other teachers people can relate because it's possibly happened to be a teacher said it uh maybe a family member said it somebody down the street social media said it to 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 go okay if motivation is surface level let me as the coach go a little bit under the surface and instead of giving you the how i give you the why as why this why this motivation you deem as the problem it could be that video looks at perfectionism a lot of people put their hand up and said yep i've got that issue as i want everything to be perfect before i start something you and i know that's not the case yeah, you're missing a leg. I'm missing a leg. my my social circle all able-bodied yours is probably the same if I want to fit in, I'm gonna I'm gonna run with the crowd. If they're gonna be sporty, okay, I was of that mind anyway. Hey, I'm gonna go with you guys. If I can't do something, I'm gonna adapt. I'm gonna find a way, a workaround of being very uh, resolute. But if the person hasn't got all those skill sets, hey, let's try and teach you. It, it might be a little bit easier if the kid, the person is in their teens or preteens because they're malleable. And the, as you get older, a little bit more stubborn and uh, to get to a certain age, no, ma no matter what, you know, the people that oh, I can't change. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's either you, you have no intent of changing whatsoever, which is okay. That's fine. 
or you don't see the other side of the fence in terms of my argument might not be right. Yours might not be the right, but it is an option. Yeah. And see, I've, I've always found that funny when people say, well, I'm too old to change. No, you're just not willing to change because, or they say, I don't need change. Well, if you didn't need change, you wouldn't have came to whatever you came to, to get to that point to be like, I don't want to change. Because a lot of people who won't help, they're like, oh, I won't help, but I'm too old to do this. Well, you really don't want help. And so I always find that funny when I'm talking to someone and they were like, so well, how are you doing this? Or why are you doing this? And sometimes I just be like, you know, I woke up and just had that urge. So I just decided to try. And so for me to do this, you know, I'll have to change the way I eat for six months just to see if it works. Well, I'm not going to be able to change the way I eat. I love, you know, biscuits and gravy too much or something like that. And I'm like, well, it's just biscuits and gravy is the reason why you can't try something like two different things, like two things in your life is going to hold you back. Like your diet's going to hold you back from trying to be a, a rower or a runner or a distance runner. But overall, the doctors say you need it because it's healthy, but you're not willing to change. I've always found that funny and fascinating how us as human beings being one of the most, I think a grain of rice has more DNA than we do or something like that. I heard, wow. but but yeah, like, but when it's all comes down to it, we have the ability to make choices in life and we refuse to choose to do what's right for ourselves. That is, that is so funny for me. And it, and like I say, a, a lot of it is, you know, your environment, you know, like how you were brought up a lot of it, like who is your friends. And some of it, I just think it's in people. Like, I, I, I think there's, I've run into some athletes who just are always negative and even some on my team. And I'm like, you can't do that because if you're negative about something, there's no way. Yeah. That first of all, your physical isn't going to be able to do it. If your mind keeps telling you, I can't do this. This is too hard. I can't, your body's not, your body's going to follow what you're thinking. So you're not going to all of a sudden start hitting a thumb down shot. Uh, when you have two blockers, uh, cross court, you're not gonna be able to hit that unless you tell yourself every day I can do it and actually practice it. But instead of practicing it, you just go home. Like, that shot's hard. I don't understand this. Da, 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 da. And I always tell them, stop complaining when you have the ability to change and, and write what you do wrong. You'll like this. And, You'll like this story, Rod. You remember Justin Phillips? Yeah. My team. And he was the youngest in the team. And he said one day at practice, uh, I think I had coach asked him how he makes a decision to block. I guess I went, I went, I was furious. I don't care if you get it wrong, but don't do, don't get, don't get, don't guess, especially for the guys behind you. Cause it's like, if there's nobody there whatsoever, that's going to hurt a lot. <laughs> so. He says he, so he, he didn't learn to read or anything. He just went with it. I think eventually, I think he start he started to read the game, but I think initially, did he want to give an answer that the I think he even answered the coach what he thought the coach would want to hear, and obviously, as all the people were like, no, that's not the answer we want to get it wrong. Hey, it's 50 50 chance. Yeah, I can't guess. Yeah, never guess. And and that's that's so funny to me because uh, I don't know. You remember James Stuck on my team? Mm -hmm. Me and him are like brothers now, and so we take pride in blocking. 
So when we we'll go to YouTube and just watch games to look at setter tendencies. And so like look at arm position and stuff. And so you just glance and see it. And then you go, like you said, if you get it wrong, you get it wrong. But you just go, we learn how to go based on tendencies from watching the setter. And so at the end of every match, we go first, who had the most blocks? <laughs> and so it's like, and like, you know, like I tell you earlier, like I hate losing. And so for me, I want to be able to be at the end of the game. I don't care if it's by one or I was on a half a block. Like if it was nine and a half to your to your nine, I'm happy with that because I have closed a block that you weren't there. Then that's not my fault. You know, that's ideal. So I, I think once it just goes back, what motivates you? Like what's in your head that makes you go forward? What drives you? And like, I, I make little bets like that. I, I make bets with some of the outside hitters, even though I still play middle, that my hitting percentage is going to be better than yours. Why? Because I know that is going to fuel me during the game. And so I'll make this bet come January that I'm going to have a higher percentage. So when we go to China at the end of May and in June, that I know that I have to practice this stuff. So every time I get the chance to terminate a ball, I terminate it. So I sit and I practice and I practice because I'll pick two or three people from the team and make a small bet with them. And I don't like to lose these bets. But in, in turn, it makes me a better player because I'm motivated to train really hard on three things. And those three things are my thing. And so. I feel like if you're going to play a sport, don't guess, man. Like, take the time, put in the work, watch film, and just try to learn it. For anybody who's watching this, anything you do in life, have that mindset that you want to be the best. Even if you fail, failure could be your motivation because failing is not bad. You can learn a lot from failing if you don't let it keep you down. And, and so just try to be the best at what you do. And it doesn't even have to be sports. You could be the best husband or boyfriend or wife or whatever you want to be. Like, be best at what you do and actually put in the work and the time it takes to be the best and reach that goal. Well, if you just use me and your story, you competed in two sports. I competed in three. Somebody might say that is a failure because why couldn't you do your entire career in just one sport? Obviously, the Paralympic sport, that's not very rare it's not very rare for somebody to be successful in one and to be successful in another i would probably say as a younger athlete i would probably look at my career as a failure because i didn't get a gold medal but now that i've finished to have the longevity of a 10-year career is pretty good going anyway you've had 20 so that's my hat i've got a pump on my cap too let's say 99 till now oh my gosh 23 oh my goodness that's a long time man i'm gonna hey i'm gonna be in another sport before it's over i'm being wheelchair basketball because something's gonna get you out. love it though <laughs> if you still love it i towards the end of the volleyball i didn't I, it was became a job it was like well, if it wasn't for teammates, probably would be a lot harder to go to practice. It would be okay. One of my guys very tight. We would look out for each other. It's like it's time to go to work. Yeah, and See, that's never good. No, I know that now. Yeah, you definitely have to love it. And like for me, mine is a mix because, like, my family insurance they cover it, so that's a job. Um, I, I, I receive a stipend every month for volleyball. So that's why I put in the work for it. But at the same time, I freaking love it. Like, 
I love to hit a ball straight down on the floor. I love to, like I said, my ultimate makes me feel better than any kill is a block. I love blocking. I love stuff blocking people. And for some reason, that love doesn't go away. But what makes me love it even more now is my kids. Like I do foster care and I have this little boy that's with us, so I can't mention his name. But I brought him to practice one day and he was just watching, 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 watching. And he was like, the whole way in the car, he was like, asking questions, asking questions. And then he would see people. He was like, well, daddy did this. Daddy did that. Daddy did this. And then my daughter, she, she's been in it since she's seen sports since she was little and she loves sports now. And for me to have them come to the game and cheer me on and to like want to help me practice or want to be in the weight room when I'm at home and they watch me lift or they watch me stretch and then they, they copy me or do yoga. It's like I'm teaching them through actions how to be responsible, A, because it is a job, but at the same time, I'm doing what I need to do to be good at this job, but it's also teaching them to stay healthy. It's it's teaching them to love sport. It's teaching them to, you know, spend time with your kids if you become a parent because, you know, daddy's doing all this, but you get to spend time with that. It's, I'm using it to do so much more than just sport, and that's what makes me love it. I think that's why uh, I like I like co- I should say like I love coaching now because I'm helping people. It's like it, it be it pre-established, and I've had some ex-athletes, and they they kind of say they're two different people, one pre-amputation and one post. Like no, unless you're having an identity crisis, you're still the same person. It's just that. You, I think the last person I spoke to, they they pretty much won everything in sport. Uh, uh, traveling team winning all the time in softball, high school winning. But if you've never seen what failure looks like, it can be hard. Even I lose sight of that sometimes in terms of the amount of times I probably lost more in sport than I've won to get to the level internationally. We, as a nation, probably have a lot to thank the Canadians, the Americans, the Dutch, you know, say that, no disrespect, but as in like the second tier nations, a lot of favors because that top table, they they won't acknowledge you for whatever reason because of you know, history that's gone before us. So the amount of times the, the Brits have probably played the US team is a lot. I mean, time we played the Canadians is a lot. And then this is where probably the downside of it, you know each other's tendencies inside and out, so you know what's coming. Yeah. But you need to have that competition to get better, to, to be able to, in, in spite of a scrimmage being a loss as you turn it round for when it's the, the main event and it's the tournament and you you learn what you've got um that tone i mentioned in, in like probably the middle of the episode probably cemented my place in london 2012 because i had to step in uh, as the backup libero and well, I'm more vocal now, but I was quite quiet as a player and a team sport that doesn't work because if you can't trust the other person next to you, 
you you're you're in for a long day and it's not going to be a very good very good time so for me i think the coaches staff were happy with the progress the players respected me trusted me to okay i did a different role in the games but my numbers called yeah, i can do a job and i think my Defining moment is probably getting an ace against the Iranians. That's that's, that's something I'm still used to this day. You gotta go. Well, that's an achievement to do that against the. They finished second in that tournament, but say one, two in the world doesn't happen that often. I'll take I'll take that on. I'll take that as. Um, but I think what you said, Rod, of you learn more from losing. I think because we've been in that environment that it's acceptable okay to some extent don't want repetitively want to lose because it's a culture but you learn more from losing and say if we use the Steelers last there's Pittsburgh Steelers last they're winning a lot but they were winning ugly that's painting over the cracks Everybody in sport knows that eventually the bubble's going to burst. They're going to lose the game. I think they went on a like three, four game loser streak. That's the real team. However, if you lose one game, you can go back to the drawing board from a coaching perspective, player, and kind of go, well, "What did we do wrong? What did we do right? What can we improve upon to put it right for?" The next game. So, game. so I'm in wheelchair basketball now at the domestic level. We lost in overtime the weekend. It should have gone to double overtime. But offensively, it was good. Defensively, we're going to have to do a lot of work. Shipping 70 points is too much. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's like, it happens. And, um, it's 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 funny, man, because to hear you talk and the way you speak on things, and we had, like you said, you had talked about it earlier. I I work with really young to like medium age, like so I have 13, 14 year olds all the way up to like 25 year old athletes. And I had a a 14 year old. No, she's 15. She's 15. And uh she ran the 400. And she ran for school, but I didn't think personally as her strength trainer that she was ready for it. And she goes out there and she got beat bad like two weeks ago. And I'm thinking, you know, it's it's a young lady. She's 15. Careful how I talk to her, you know, because she's probably going to be emotional at the time. And would you say you paint, you win and they're close. You just paint over the crack. And then eventually it's going to be a bunch of losses in a row, which the Steelers did have this year. Uh, you better be glad my friend James and he used to say that because he's a Steelers fan, by the way. He'd go crazy right now. But um, she came up to me and she says, I'm going to do better. She's like, I, know, I don't run the 400, but I learned from it. She's like, I'm going to look at this race, see where I faulted, where I started slowing down, and I'm going to try to get stronger in that race. And I'm like, wow, okay. I didn't even have to find her. She found me. Like, she wanted to be better. And then I had one of the older athletes was like, man, I'm tired. I don't want to do this. And I'm like, this is, you should be her. Like, you should, you should not want to, this, this athlete actually won. He won his. And I'm like, you should be more like her, though. 
Like you should come in and find something that you need to work on, be positive about it and go the next few days, whatever, take off and then come back to training and work on those things that you could have got better because you want a really, really close race. And as you start competing against people that are better and well-trained, you're going to start losing those races. And I say, even though she lost by a lot, I could see her progressing better throughout the season because track season here just started. And I could see you beginning to lose more races because you're not willing to put in that work. And it's like, if so many people could, could just do what you just said, like take the loss, learn from the loss, and but then actually put in that work. And I just said, well, I won. I'm tired, da, 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 so I don't need to come in. I won. That winning is not going to last unless you build that building on a solid foundation and you keep building stuff properly around it so it doesn't crumble. And you hit you hit the uh, nail right on the head, man. It's like just because you win a lot of these races that are close, at some point, talent is going to run out and people who work are going to catch you and pass you because you don't learn when you lose when you win just by a little bit because you are winning so much early that you don't learn anything from it. And I agree. Sometimes it's like you say, it's not acceptable. Sometimes it is, but it's really not like in our group. They know that they, they don't, my, my, my athletes, they hate losing. That's why I love them so much. Cause they remind me of me when I was younger, but at the same token, a lot of the younger ones, which makes, it makes me so excited to go work with them. They learn from it and they want to get better. So they, they go out, they don't necessarily even train hard. They train smart. They do what I ask them to do. A recovery day is a training day. So you need to recover. That's just as important as training. And they understand that. And so they do it. And so I feel like they're going to go so much further uh, in this season than my older athletes who just look at it. Well, I'll win every race by an inch if I have to. And and so I, I feel like, I don't know, man. Like you said, we're getting old. And I feel like if the younger athletes had that work mentality when no one was looking like we did after a loss, that they would be so much better because of what is provided for them that we didn't have when we did train. Well, we didn't have a spotlight, did we? The spotlight is the main event. So you've got to do the work throughout the season. I was talking to my mom about this earlier uh, of my my swimming career uh, in high school. We competed almost every single weekend. Whereas it doesn't give you a chance to actually peak because you're just competing. Yes, there's a benefit to it because then you're conditioned to, to compete in. But there's no purpose behind what what is the specific thing that you're peaking for in the seat, which is obviously elite sport. But in terms of what you're saying, if that person's willing to win by millimeters, what happens if he doesn't have a career after high school or the collegiate what what are you going to be like as an an adult of you know the nostalgia of living your heydays or you look back at it obviously you and I can do and kind of go well I can pick out this moment in time in history I can learn from it somebody else can learn from it and go okay let me pick this nugget out maybe put a nice bow on it for the, the, the person in the present and kind of go, this is how you implement this to work for you. And 
obviously I've had arguments with other people down the years of well James you're living in the past like okay I'm happy to have a national kit on today it's 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 it's, it's, it's right but it's 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 obviously it gives me uh, a sense of pride is I I earned this this uh, this piece of kit it was blood sweat and tears you faced it athletes faced it family faced it hey I, I I should I should be able to wear it with uh, an an element of uh, bravado and of my chest out. But obviously, it's the judgment aspect of what you deem other people to think. I think I got to a point now. I don't care. Yeah, next time somebody tells you you're living in the past, tell them they can never retire, because everyone who retires, they're living on what they did and the work that they did in the past, like. You don't live in the past. You live in the present, but you can remember what you did in the past because that's going to help your present. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because yeah. if you didn't... Remind you as well. I, uh, yeah. one, you, you bring up a poignant point. I, I reminded my client, who's obviously, believe me, he might come back, he might not. And I kind of reassured him. It's like, you're a stickler for precision. You'd be fine. You, 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 you probably got that information down somewhere of how you became successful. What you got to do is bring, bring it back out if you have a little setback and kind of go, well, this is what I need to do to be put myself back on track. I didn't do that. And I can hold my hand up and say, when I retired from sport, I thought I'd have it easy. Like, well, I'll just walk into a job. Probably like you said, of I thought I deserved something from the world. Oh, I've done this for so long. This transferable skills. Let's just get a let's get a job. Didn't work out like that. And obviously now it's just showcasing to people. You put in the work, you write it down, make it a lot easier. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I write, every, I write everything down, man. That's why I tell you, past two years, just note after note after note. Now I just got to think of a title when I decide to get it published. <laughs> That's the hard part. It is. You got to be catchy for everyone. So that being said, bro, we're coming to the end of the show. And I ask this of all of my guests. So if you got to sit down with any athlete, dead or alive, matter, who would that be and why? Kobe. Uh, you notice I mentioned the mama mentality a lot. Man, um, I'll sit in my car and I'll just listen to the way he talked and just what his idea of being the best at a sport was is so close to mine. Like, he didn't care. Like, he put in hour after hour. You didn't like him. His teammates didn't like him. When it came to sport, that's what he wanted. He wanted to be the best. Now, off the court, I'm fine. I'm approachable. Uh, I have daughters. I love spending time with my, my, like I say, my kids, my kids, my kids. But when it comes time to me having to do like what I consider my job as an athlete, I don't care if you like me. I, I want to win and I want to win by any means necessary. And I'm going to put in that work. And I would just want to pick his brain 
about like the moments that he was in the gym at 4 35 30 in the morning knowing that his wife Vanessa was probably going to be pissed off at him like did he did he think about that or did he just really not care and he just like I just wanted to know like after practices what those conversations like were like with her like to apologize to her for not being there and all of that so he would be one of the ones because I feel like when it comes to like training and working out that's the mentality that I have so I want to speak to someone who I think you know lived it on a higher level than I did as far as being like noticed and being paid for it and how that life was different you know than what mine is now and my final question before time on the show is if you had to summarize we've been speaking about into one sentence for people to take away what would that be one sentence to put in the hard work and never expect to be given anything you have to go out and take so once again rod thanks again for coming on the mindset athlete podcast hey thanks for having me on the show man and it was great being able to talk to you again Thanks again for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes below. And I would love to hear from you. Come and connect and ask your questions. I've been James Roberts from jamesowenroberts.com. Remember this quote by Chris Hoth. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think and execute not by some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete.